Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I'm your host and I'm here with the beautiful Flex. And we have a surprise for you. So we have partnered up with Frank Body, our faves. Oh, Probably that? seen them. <laughs> Literally mood. Like that's actually how we feel. We told you to pay for us and listen, then Frank came through. <laughs> listen, do you see? Do you see the universe? <laughs> so we are on our Oprah shit and we're giving away one of everything on the Frank Body website to one lucky winner. To find out how to enter into the competition, just make sure to listen all the way to the end of the episode. We see you guys leveling up. We see you critically thinking. We see you doing all the things to develop yourself. So we had to give you just a reward, just a gift for all of your efforts. And just like a thank you for getting us to almost 200,000 streams in the space of three months. Like, wow. And if you happen to not win the competition, we still love you. So we have a discount code for you. You can go on frankbody.com and use the code Bobo and Flex 15 to get 15% off just to treat yourself. You know what I'm saying? Because we love you. Because it's not everyday like mm. critical thinking. Like sometimes just self-indulge and like take care of yourself. You know what I mean? That's what we're here for. <laughs> Which is the best. Value the gift that keeps on giving value for money. Don't say we don't add value. <laughs> Listen, don't say we don't add value. <laughs> and my own mm. personal story if mm. you have any eye products that are just a pain to get off, I'm talking about waterproof stuff that you just can't get off with anything. The Frank Anti Cleansing Oil, next level. Don't ask me how it works, but let me just tell you it just like disintegrates the product. My shit stays smooth before and mm. after. It's cute. Okay. But yeah, thank you for that, Frank. Thank you. This is for you. I know. Go follow them on Instagram. Moving into a conversation. Wow. I feel like today's going to be a long one. I feel like my feelings are already hurt. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about body image. And I actually think this is probably one of our most requested topics. Um, Mm -hmm. Probably the thing that we get the most questions about. So. We'll be going over the topic in general, just talking about how it intersects with the romance, how it intersects with sex, how it intersects with our perception of self and how we navigate the world as a black woman, black women living in white spaces, um, as influencers, as artists, as people who are always in front of the camera. Yeah, we're just, there's a lot to go in. So let's just dive right into it right now. Flex, what is your relationship currently with yourself, your physical self, your skin suit? (laughs) (laughs) My skin suit. Don't talk about her like that. (laughs) Your flesh prison. (laughs) 
You're cool. <laughs> you know what? I quite like myself. And I think that's why this discussion Mood. about confidence and positivity doesn't feel like a very radical one for me. Mm. I grew up with very affirming with a very affirming mother who definitely um, shook out any of those like niggling insecurities I had about my weight, my teeth or whatever. I am at this point where oh my I, God, I, you have the cutest teeth. You had insecurities yeah, about your teeth. Oh, absolutely. Cause no, I sure. didn't know anyone who had a gap. So I was like, what the fuck? That's literally <laughs> my goal in life. That's <laughs> the irony of insecurities. I was like, what the fuck? Where is it? Um, but also, I think the frustration with the, not the, fr- it's not frustrating, but my thing about liking my body is not about, you know, being obsessed with it and like checking myself twice, but it's also acknowledging that if I really want to change it, I would and I will, but mm. I'm like indifferent. Really? Like you're not about to go get I'll surgery. absolutely get surgery, but I'm talking about when a good retainer comes through, baby. But do you think there's a line? Like, what is... So this is the argument people usually have against me, is how can you be against skin bleaching if you are pro-plastic surgery? And I do think those are, like, it's a false equivalency. But what are your thoughts also? Because yeah. I remember um, Azealia Banks, our Gemini queen bleached her skin Mm. and was like bitch don't come for me when you hoes have been coming for dark-skinned women all of our lives you can't drag dark-skinned women and then be mad when they decide to make their lives easier by bleaching their skin like what is this how do you feel about that argument like where do you draw the line between body modification that is self-loathing versus body modification that is self-love That's a great question. And for those of you listening who don't know what Mm. skin bleaching is, skin lightening, skin whitening, it's when people of darker complexions, not specific to black people or African people, uh, it's when they use creams with lightening components in it to essentially permanently change the colour of their skin and lighten it. So we see this in a lot of places actually, and it's actually quite dangerous and harmful because if you don't do it well, your skin's permanently cooked. Um, but it's t- it's tied into this Eurocentric beauty standard of how like it, like mm. white is right essentially, and that to be seen as beautiful or best, you should be lighter or white. Now, my whole thing is, I think the journey between self love and self loathing are quite Ooh. intrinsically tied. I think to love yourself is a choice, and it's and it for a lot of people is a radical act. It wasn't for me at the time, but I definitely am reminded that it is when somebody questions me as to how I could possibly, you know what I mean? Like, but how, but you're like overweight and like you could get your teeth fixed and blah, blah, blah. Like, why don't you? And it's like, yeah. bitch, leave me alone. I don't fuck with that. So when I look at, when I look at how critical people are about people's bodies and how they choose to dress them, I can't be mad when right. someone wants to change them. Because I think the root, the root of all change is a disdain in some capacity Ooh. like you you read books you don't want to be a dumb bitch you know you travel because you don't want to be the person who hasn't seen the world like i don't think anybody changes purely for positive reasons all the time and if they do good on them i don't i'm not an altruistic person by nature so i don't really do that shit yeah (laughs) but um i'm (laughs) i'm rewards um what's rewards driven Mm, that's really interesting so the pursuit of beauty is just what is it an escapism from the parts of ourselves that we can't stand like is that what is the pursuit of beauty actually like honest like i heard someone i asked someone 
um, what did I ask them? Like, what is it to fall in love? And they said that they felt or they read somewhere that falling in love is just the pursuit of beauty. And I think, yeah, I think what they meant by that is like when you're falling in love with someone, you're escaping yourself and you escape yourself by like leaning into something that is other from yourself. So like all the things that are beautiful in the world. And I wonder about the pursuit of like physical beauty and whether that's also like an escape from ourselves or just social conditioning or just self-loathing. Like it's so many things. Or maybe running further towards who you want to be, who you Ooh. perceive to be your real self. Because mm. if, if I'm if, if like to me, I, I give a cup energy. I act like these double F's don't exist. I'm not wearing bras. <laughs> I'm acting out. <laughs> because to me, I got A-cups, bitch. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think that so much of it is conditioning that you probably wouldn't be able to really, like, acknowledge where it starts and stops or how to fix it, how to change it. You just know what you know. Because I'm sure the majority of people who... Um, would have been so opposed to surgery years ago are the ones that are getting it because they saw a Kardashian get it and now it seems normal and more appealing and so on and so forth. So I don't really know if it's... um, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't really think it's as deep as we'd like it to be because I don't think the average person thinks that much. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You would get surgery and body mods if you had the coin. Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. But I also think the thing with beauty is that it's also an illusion. Like, I don't Mm. think it's like a real, an actual real thing. I think to a certain extent, like we're biologically conditioned to find symmetry beautiful. But in general, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's as, it's any deeper than like getting a wig. Because I think beauty is something that you can opt in and out of. Like, I think about the fact that growing up, I was considered the ugly duckling. Like, I was the black bitch in a white school. I was a dark-skinned girl. I was awkward. I had acne. I had kinky hair, like, African features. I was literally the antithesis of beauty. And I still am today. Like, physically, I still look the same, more or less. The only difference is like my relationship to myself. Like I decided that I'm beautiful and then the world followed. Like I think my, like the way people perceive me is because of the universe that I've created around me in relation to beauty. Bitch, that's your pretty privilege jumping out. <laughs> no, but it's really, I really feel like... <laughs> she really said... If you decide, if you decide I wasn't you're cute... cute and now it's cute, bitch, though. Pull up. <laughs> that's, a, that's how a pretty bitch thinks. <laughs> People started falling into place when okay, I decided that I was cute. <laughs> What came first, the beauty or the decision to be beautiful? The beauty. I disagree. Mm. Because I feel like I was an ugly bitch before and now I'm not. So like <laughs> literally. <laughs> but that's all rooted in your perception of yourself. So maybe when if you were younger and you were receiving positive um, compliments about your appearance, you weren't taking it in because you were receiving No, I wasn't receiving well. them. <laughs> and then I, just, I don't know. I, I'm okay, not one of those... 
I'm not, what's the word? Like, I'm not that bitch who thinks everybody is, like, equally beautiful and we all have it (laughs) if we just let it shine. (laughs) Like, I definitely think there are some people that are more universally attractive than others. And there are some people who are more attractive in niche circles, like culturally attractive, socially attractive. But I don't think anyone can get it and I don't think anyone has it. (laughs) Let's hope that trends will favour people who are, you know, generically ugly and they too will get their time like you said there'll be one point where people who looked like us or like each of us weren't considered beautiful in any way shape or form now that shit's trendy my mom's been saying it from day one the rest of you hoes just realized yeah (laughs) so when you know when your specific you know shade or form or size of beauty becomes trendy then you too will lean into it but until then do the work yourself Mm, I still feel like you can actually change people's perception of your appearance before the shit becomes trendy. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's possible. But mm. I think let's not give everybody that hope. <laughs> Why? Because as, if, when you're picturing someone that you deem to be less attractive or whatever, okay. I still think yeah. you'd be picturing a generically attractive person. Like, you can see how they'd be attracted to somebody, just not you. There are some people Mm. out there who just wouldn't subscribe or ascribe to being beautiful and people wouldn't perceive them as such. Mm. So for them, I don't think this is is something that they can latch on to as gospel. So do you think beauty is It sounds really terrible, but... Beauty is definitely elitist. It's exclusionary. Like it's all it's of not these democratic. things. It's not democratic. It's not for everyone. Wow. And for us to for us to regard it as such is very dangerous. Like let's if it was meant to be for everyone, we, we, we like we still wouldn't be having these conversations about inclusivity in the beauty industry today. <laughs> well, like, okay. What's your take on inclusivity? Do you think it's just a marketing sham? Is it transient? Is it a thing that you think will pass? Uh, it's all of those things (laughs) look i mean the conversation about inclusivity is quite necessary because until it started i wasn't acutely aware of how much the industry wasn't made for people like us i really thought we were out here just like having the same struggles you know what i mean we weren't (laughs) people who were of you know like on the on the shade of caucasian Mm -hmm. or on the shade of just a lighter skin tone have always been favored the industry is made by people like you for people like you that's no shade it just is how it is now that we can acknowledge that there is a huge percentage of the population that hasn't been accounted for it's so important that we start to like amplify that experience and make products for it as such yeah my concern is this drive to make every single brand inclusive not all things are made for everyone it's literally impossible Mm. and so to constantly badger and berate brands who don't make shades or who don't make products for all people it's like that's not business baby and like let's not be bothered with that but also it's like so yeah one I like idea one is don't get mad at people who don't make inclusive products. But idea two, these brands want to hop on this this inclusive train and make one product and that have that be their like <laughs> their their game changing piece and then forget to right. connect the rest of the dots later. That shit's so whack. Like it's so played out. It's so whack. Those brands that make the shade range and say, but the dark ones are coming out later. That shit's whack. It like, is. Yeah. I just think that the conversation about inclusivity was started by marginalized people right. and has been. Am- 
amplified by people who are of privilege who don't understand the actual like the actual cause and root of the problem yeah so they're seeing it as a very symptomatic issue like oh no like the black girls are mad we don't have their foundation let's make a foundation no the black girls are mad because they don't have a foundation a concealer a brush a blush a a brush a blush a bronzer a highlight like an eyeshadow product a lipstick like that's why they're mad not because you didn't have one foundation shade for them but also so me yeah i think it's possible to be inclusive but the people who are able to instruct change don't understand the issue because they've never had to experience it ever before and don't come to me saying but i'm pale and i've always had trouble finding come on now that's (laughs) (laughs) but you know what when people come through with that shit i i get it because i just don't first of all i think pretty privilege is the highest of privileges i think if you're black and a woman but you're cute you literally have more privilege than a mediocre looking white bitch (laughs) no let's keep it real let's keep it g like let's keep it very real but privilege in what way though and in what spaces because i don't think privilege is a universal language or currency Ooh, why do you say that because value is not universal or it's not a universal language or a universal currency i think we might hold value and privilege in certain spaces that don't transition to other spaces so we have to sort of like segment where our privilege lies and where it grows and where it can thrive as opposed to being privileged all throughout. I definitely think a white woman generally will have will always have more privilege than a black woman, whether or not she's pretty. Always. Really? Absolutely. No, I think the world values beauty above literally everything because it's so instinctive and so embedded in our DNA that like, whereas like race is a social construct, gender is a social construct. But I think the one thing that is sublime, that takes control of everyone's senses on like a very deep subconscious level is beauty. Do you know what I mean? Hold on one second. Mm. I'm typing in beautiful woman onto Google images, right? Okay. So tell me about- Do you the want to know what comes up? <laughs> Beautiful woman, white girl, white girl, white girl, white girl, Asian girl, white 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 girl. Oh no, absolutely. So it's almost like even the concept of being beautiful is something that is more favored to non-black people. So even if there was a really beautiful black woman, she'd be the exception to the rule. And I don't think the privilege that she would get would be equal to someone who wasn't black. I think it would. Like if two people two women who are equally qualified for a job position that isn't entirely reliant on their like aesthetics let's say it's just it's like a regular office job whatever like not about optics i think in the job interview the attractive looking black woman is getting the job over the average looking white woman just purely because of the like the influence that beauty has on our senses that's whack, Bobo. I don't I, think so. I honestly think that's how the world works. I just don't think works. that beauty is regarded as a universal thing. I know a ton of people that I would consider beautiful that someone would consider trash. Oh, well, yeah. So there's like the beauty that is like genetic and biological. And then there's the beauty that's socially constructed. I think symmetry, like any bitch with a symmetrical face will be considered beautiful across the globe. And then that intersects with like colorism and hair type and skinniness versus fat. Like 
all the other fluff is like external and societal but a basic like symmetrical face will be considered beautiful across the galaxy like 100 percent that's hectic we gotta this is one for the listeners man yeah so let us know in the comment section (laughs) (laughs) what which do you think is more pervasive white privilege or pretty privilege also because i think pretty privilege is so invisible we don't even talk about it like we act like it's not something that like people experience and i'm like this is wild fam we spend way too much time talking about race when we should be talking about (laughs) pretty privilege just be prettier (laughs) (laughs) do you think you you benefit from pretty privilege Absolutely, like living bitch. in Australia, <laughs> <laughs> like, like living in Australia as like a black woman. Well, I don't. I think I benefit more from like palatable privilege and like assimilation privilege. Yeah, and, like, well, that's where I was getting to as well. Do you think that yeah, yeah. the privilege, your beauty privilege, intersects with the fact that you are like an acceptable Negro? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Like you can be Eurocentric a thousand times, and you're not like black black. You're like you're like different from like Like you're like the articulate black. Yeah, (laughs) like we can tell you grew up in Australia. We like you. It's shit like that, you know. It's it's like to be seen as different from who I am means that I'm closer to non-black than black in their eyes. Therefore, more palatable. Therefore, more beautiful. Do you and again, it's not some shit that isn't like you can't tell me that it's not real. You oh, can't yeah. tell me that, oh, no, we just like you for, like, who you are. It's because I give you access to blackness without having to be, like, the black girl right. that you might be fearful of or the black girl that's unapproachable or the black girl that leans into the, all the stereotypes. It's, like, token black. But it's, that that would be different in America for you because you, you have proximity to blackness and people around you would have proximity to blackness as well. Yeah, well, I think the difference with Australia and America is that America has so many more black people. Mm. But what I've realized is that I definitely benefit from being an African black as opposed to just being a coon black. <laughs> <laughs> Don't no, teach them these words, Bobo. <laughs> Do you know I didn't even know what coon meant until like eighteen? Because what I was saying we have a cheese, we have a brand of cheese called coon. I am crying. No, you don't. don't I swear me. to you. I swear to you. I am. We have a actually... brand of cheese called coon, and I said it in front of like these guys who are white who uh, love black culture. Of course. And they were like, "What you say that word?" And I was like, "What the fuck." What do you mean? It's cheese. And then I Googled it and yeah. So if you don't know what coon means, Google it and be surprised. And then yes. feel uncomfortable every time you want to buy that cheese. Exactly. Or just don't buy processed cheese. <laughs> Another excuse to go vegan. <laughs> yeah. um, and I but I use the word coon because I know like wow, the racism in America is very insidious. It's very it's interesting. Um But having lived in South Africa and then Europe and then America, I find the way my blackness is processed and the way that my beauty or lack of beauty is processed really varies by geography, which goes back to why I don't believe beauty is even a thing, because it's it's so like subject to space and time. But what I find is that in America, 
I definitely benefit from like being an African, whereas mm. in South Africa, I benefit from not, like having not so much proximity to being African. So like the yeah. average American, do you know what I mean? Yeah, the average American, white or black, but let's talk about white people right now, actually just non-black people. Mm-hmm will see me and then as soon as I open my mouth it's like oh my god like I'm shook she's articulate she sounds British but like she's a nigger so I guess she's not like (laughs) I I guess she's not like a regular coon like she's not like one of these you know what I mean so the way that white Americans like engage with me is really interesting and like the racism really jumps out especially in LA New York not so much but LA wow whereas in South Africa it's like oh she's black but like she doesn't sound like us like she doesn't sound like she's an educated she sounds American like she's so eloquent so you know she's black but her proximity to Africanness is a lot less than mine and I think that's also something that I benefit from so it's like that dichotomy and that dynamic definitely yeah it definitely affects the way that I'm perceived and whether or not I'm found beautiful in Europe on the other hand Europe is just another beast um I'm just like another black bitch like I'm yeah just, how crazy is that yeah I went to London for the first time and not one person asked me where I was from it was it's like, where do you wild. live? And I was like, well, you, think, you think I'm a local? You accept me as I am? <laughs> I was dumbfounded. No, it's not one conversation thing. about where you're from, what country, where you, nothing. Because I, I don't was, think Europeans are conditioned to see the nuances of blackness in the same way pot. that like other. Mm like other continents are or it's the same with europe like in i'm not europe asia Mm. like if i go to japan i'm literally just like shrek but like interesting shrek like let me touch your hair because you must not be from this planet (laughs) like i'm like subhuman you know (laughs) i honestly have had enough of you i have had enough she said shrek (laughs) <laughs> but where's the lie like yeah where's it's very the actual lie that's very true on that topic though i have a, i've received a lot of questions about um well for us to explain the difference between being african and not african-american mm. and not being like and being like african that's living in australia like or being black or being person of color like which are we what are the intersections how can we explain it best so I guess I'll start by saying that I am not African-American because I'm not American in any shape or form. I think a lot of people started using African-American as a euphemism for An black. An umbrella term. Lol. Yeah, because black had been seen as offensive to some people or yeah, just an umbrella term. Like black equals African-American if I'm PC. Right. No, you're wrong. I'm not American. <laughs> now, the difference between us being African is that our roots are in Africa. That means mm. that's where we come from. We didn't go from Africa to America and then Australia or to... Or, or, no, no. African. Yeah, that's right. it. Like, all our trading, Africa. Right. Bobo, would you like to explain to them what the difference between not being African and African-American is? Since I'm you screaming. Are living in America. 
Because <laughs> people might get it confused with you because you're in America. Therefore, you must be American, right? I know. Wow. A concept. So um, the difference, it's really quite self-explanatory. The hyphen just sort of explains it all. Um, basically, I'm not American. I am just a transplant. I'm just a person that deviates from one place to the other. I'm just here, but I'm genetically, biologically, and nationally still from South Africa. Therefore, I am just African. There's some nuance there, but generally, if we were to generally separate us, being African-American would imply that you your ancestors were enslaved in America or that you might be first or second generation Amer- like American, but mm. born from African parents, right? Right. So I could be an African-Australian, but I'm just African and I'm just Australian. Let's, we don't need to hyphen and complicate it. Why do you not want to hyphen? Well, it's just like, what's the big deal? It's just like, just say I'm African and call it. Yeah. Because I mean, and for, do you know what it is also? For so many years, I identified as being Australian and too many of you hoes had to question me on it. But how? <laughs> but you're black. But I don't understand. But where are your parents from? But how does that work? How long have they been here? So wow. just call me African and then we'll like, it's fine. Because like, I'm too... Like, I just can't deal with having to explain who I am and where I'm from when it doesn't really matter in in the context of conversations I'm having. Mm. So, yes, I was born in Australia. My mum has been here for 35 years. But you hoes can't see that as valuable. So we'll just call me African and keep it pushing. (laughs) I'm screaming. (laughs) Yeah, that is a difference. So... um, also, so the, we got a lot of questions about, but what's a POC? But what's a WOC? But how do we, can we call you black or whatever? Bobo and I are black. We are both African. I live in Australia. Bobo lives in America. I was born in Australia. Bobo was born in South Africa. Uh, POC means person of color. That's a term that was, like I guess, created by whoever to essentially explain everyone or to essentially categorize everyone who doesn't identify as being white or Caucasian. Um, but on that topic, though, Bobo, I was reading about the whole idea of POCs, WOCs, and how that term is just, like, inclusive in the wrong way because it lumps together all of these ethnicities and assumes True. that we all have the same, like, issues and the same racial issues. But Absolutely. we'll touch on that more in the episode about race because I really yeah. want to, like, break that up. And same. to really not at the fact that we are all not the same. No matter how many times you want to tell me, but we're all one. We know. We're all the we're human all. race. Ugh, <laughs> we're children out. of the world. It's like idealistically, sure, but look at look at Trump's America, babes. Yeah, like look Flint. at us. Look at Flint, fam, and tell me all the human race. No water. That's cool. We'll talk about it in a second. Well. I, I want to jump back into body positivity just really quickly. Ooh, let's talk about it. um, We're all over the place this episode, but I mean, whatever. (laughs) So recently I I made a post on my Instagram about the whole concept of the the self-love movement and how it's flawed and how body positivity is turned into this term that you use when you want to justify reasons so reasons why you should love your body at any size so if somebody was to critique you in any way and say you need to lose weight or wear makeup or 
you know, fix your teeth, they were essentially shaming you. Mm. And I think that that's not always the case. And body positivity or self-love has turned into this really, like, self-fulfilling prophecy that's been co-opted by skinny bitches as well. You know (laughs) what I mean? Body body positivity was made for fat bitches by fat bitches. (laughs) And in 2019, it became a for everyone by everyone, which is not necessarily the case. So let's just quickly get that out of the way. You can do your additional Googles if you want to. Like, it's it's all on the internet. Okay. Now... Okay. Someone, yeah, so that's just number one. It was like buy big bitches for big bitches, and then it right. became like a but I love me for who I am because you know I've got shit skin. So I did this post, and somebody talked to me about well, someone wanted me to explain what my journey with it was, and I'm like, I'm not even about self love or body positivity, I'm about like body neutrality. It's just like Ooh. I have a body, it works. I get to walk places, I get to breathe. It could look cuter, but like that's secondary to the fact that like I'm not dead. <laughs> so <laughs> people were asking me a lot about how can I be more body positive? How can I be more confident with my loins and my limbs? And the idea is just like not to think about it. The more you think mm. about how your body looks, it's going to you're going to feel shit about it because you're not the cutest bitch that's ever lived. You know what I mean? And the quicker you acknowledge that, the easier it is to just understand that you should be grateful that you have a body that works. Even when it doesn't work for you because I think right. the body positivity movement also doesn't um, it doesn't cater to the fact that not everyone's bodies work well. And it's hard to love a body that doesn't work right. for you. Like, what if you have autoimmune disease, you know? What if you're so shit with your IBS? For you though? Like, if your body is not, like, if you're not a fully abled human being, is body positivity for you? There we, who knows? The whole movement is is funny. It's, it's saying too much and nothing at all. So right. if we all move closer to body neutrality and just start to enjoy the fact that this, these shits work as they should, <laughs> it's much easier to get out of your head about, but I should be slimmer, but I should be taller, but I should be lighter, but I should be this. That doesn't mean that you can't, you know, change your body in the way you want to. Right. But if you start to view your body as purely a functional tool that has some aesthetic benefits, it's so much easier. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if that's easier said than done, though. Like in a society, it is easier where... said than done. But getting confident is easier said than done as well. Facts. So, like, choose one. <laughs> <laughs> like, but to me, Let's I feel like to hurt our feelings again. Today. <laughs> the hardest thing about body confidence is that you can you can generate that as an insular practice, but when you go out into the real world, you'll soon be reminded that the way you view your body isn't universal, and not mm. everybody loves a chubby bitch. Not everybody loves a bitch with crooked teeth. You know, but so, in the same way, not everyone loves a skinny bitch. But actually, exactly. well, no, there's still there's still a hierarchy with this. There's yeah. still a hierarchy there. So while you can do all that work for yourself by yourself, you'll still be challenged when you go into the real world and realize that the work you've done isn't universal and it won't be perceived in the way that you've worked so hard for it to be. So while you can acknowledge that you can love yourself, get closer to the idea of being like, who fucking cares? Right. This stuff works for me. I'm alive. I'm breathing. It could be cuter. I'll work on it in a few years. It's no biggie. Okay. Well, Who's going to charge you on a working then, body? Do you think the pursuit of beauty is worthwhile? Like if it's not for everyone and yet it's such a necessary part of society, do you think it's even a worthwhile pursuit? Like, should we just set it aside? Like, It is absolutely a worthwhile pursuit. Look, Mm. <clears throat> it's like we said about in the other episode about capitalism we get it it's trash but i'm not trying to be broke i see the way the world works 
The thing about beauty is we can acknowledge that it's in so many ways, the construct of it is flawed and there's room for improvement. But you see the way the world works. Beauty has been amplified so much higher than education, than intelligence. And exactly. so if you, if you want to be perceived as somewhat of worth, in a lot of ways, you have to be beautiful. Right. I'm not saying you should aspire to do it yourself, but to opt out and then wonder why stuff isn't working for you. Yeah, I it's mean, not worth your it, answer. fam. Well, I want to talk about this in the context of white supremacy and anti-blackness. So uh, there's this idea of like, if you wear weaves, if you have a straight weave, you must be anti-black. But at yeah. the same time, wearing a straight weave, depending on like your life, but let's say you're an accountant, wearing a straight weave as a black person will make your life infinitely easier than coming out with your afro out do you think then that it's worthwhile to interrogate that the anti-blackness that's embedded in there and go to work with an afro out anyway or is the world ending and we're all gonna die so just get your <laughs> i've answered my own question <laughs> so just get your Bobo straight really brazilian wig immediately and i'm like sis we've got a podcast to do i can't have you die <laughs> Like do it in your own time. <laughs> okay, so there are a lot of top there are a lot of terms thrown out there and I feel like for our majority non black audience we might have to clarify Define a few some of them. Right. Anti blackness. Yeah. Anti blackness is distancing yourself from blackness as it's been yes. constructed in society. Because blackness has always been perceived as less than and defined as less than. So anti-blackness is also known as like pursuing whiteness, like trying to get as close as possible to being as white as possible. Mm -hmm. So there we go. You were mentioning, you so your question was, is it, should we be leaning closer to blackness in spaces where it may not be the easiest to do? Right. Or should we lean into like Eurocentric beauty standards. Yeah, basically I'm asking, should you prioritize ease and comfort or should you prioritize self-love? Sometimes ease and comfort is self-love. But what if so what if when it's not? Like if you work in a law firm, a very white mm-hmm. law firm in Wall Street, you have 4C hair, you know they're going to give you shit and like it's going to make your life so much harder than if you just had a Brazilian weave. <laughs> Okay, so my whole thing is I don't think everyone can be a fucking soldier all the time. And I know for me personally, like, I'll change up a wig and have it be the conversation of every workplace I enter into. Mm. I could put on a different kind of lipstick and all of a sudden I'm like, let's talk about Lil for 45 minutes. So you know what? I don't think everybody has the capacity to be that brave person and to be their full black selves in or even has white to. Like, I don't think they have to. I don't think they have to either. My journey with it is a little bit different though, because I was definitely very anti-black. I was like, I'm Australian. I'm going to have really straight hair. Oh. Don't, 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 don't um, bunch me with stereotypes of blackness. I listen to other music aside from hip hop. I do this because the connotations were always bad right every time i had my natural hair out when do you wash your hair why does your hair feel like cotton why do you look like a sheep why do you do this and like it's the thing about this is like these people listening could argue that oh no but that might be just young people i swear to you the day i took out my weave and wore braids like two months ago everywhere i went to my workplaces to my gigs where i filmed tv like every single person was like oh my god 
What'd you do with your hair? How'd you do that? Can I touch it? That's so weird. How do you sleep? Oh, interesting. How do you wash it? Do you wash your hair? That's so crazy. Ooh. You can't imagine how frustrating it is to be commented on or to be commented at all the time. And nobody in the comments who is non-black can tell me that they've experienced this to the same extent. Oh, yeah. Even in New York, where there are a plethora, a cornucopia of black people, there are still, and it's always white men, white men rolling up (laughs) on me, talking about, can I touch your hair? It's everyone for me. Everywhere. Before we continue, I just wanted to jump in and remind you to go to frankbody.com and use the code BOBOANDFLEX15 to get 15% off on anything on the website. I am obsessed with their body scrubs and masks because they work in just five minutes. So it's just an easy, quick fix to use while you're listening to Bobo and Flex, your favorite African aunties, or while you're doing anything at all. Frankbody.com and use the code Bobo and Flex15. Let's continue the conversation. You know what? I now have a theory that being a black woman is the equivalent of being an A-list celebrity regardless of how banal your life is because (laughs) honestly because the way you are scrutinized and put under a microphone and the way you are made to be accessible to everyone's gaze and touch is as if you're kylie jenner i think literally every black woman walks through the world as kim kardashian it's like waiting for someone to say something literally you're waiting for someone to roll up on you with you because i don't think people perceive black women as human beings like let's just keep it real i think the world sees us as subhuman and therefore and i don't think it's always malicious i think most of the time it's not malicious but i think the idea of like black women being other and subhuman to other demographics gives them permission to touch critique judge and just be all up in your space because why would you deserve privacy if you're not one of us see i don't know about subhuman i don't know but i think other is definitely Mm. other is definitely a thing just like different to me but this is what i'm I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today saying with the example you gave earlier that's why i don't think if a hot black girl and a average non-black girl were sitting in the same room same age applying for the same job that the black girl would get it because she's prettier because the prettiness would not be perceived in the same way but that's why she would get the job because i think black beauty is seen as exceptional whereas white beauty is seen as the norm so now, a black exceptional in pop girl, culture though in pop culture and media Sure, but that is still such a small portion of the job industry. Like, mm. you can be cute as fuck, but all like the average person is working at like retail, you're doing like a cute checkout chick moment, or you're yeah. studying. Like, we work in media spaces where we're allowed to be cute and othered because that is our unique selling point, you know, like cute and mm, different. That's interesting. We stand yeah. out in this sea of like same, same. But generally, I don't think so. But back to the point of what we were saying about the idea of hair. 
Right. It's not to say that you can't comment on hair because like that's dumb. I'm not going to censor people in that way. Oh but yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I do want to almost amplify the discussion of how black hair is critiqued and how it is such a big deal because it is a big deal. It and is. It's political too. It is. It always has been political. I think about, you know, just in childhood, right? Like the amount of times my hair would be commented on by teachers. Like, oh, like, why do you have it out today? Oh, it's it's so unruly. Oh, you must have such a hard trouble taming it. Like, you can't tell me these are experiences you had. And so for black people to be sensitive about their hair, you have to understand that there's, there's a reason behind it. Because wow. for ages, you've been told, change it, make it different. How you want to do it is not good enough. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't know how you work with it. Blah, blah, blah change it don't do this don't have it in braids like the one time I remember my um my cousin he went to the boys school next to me and he was trying to grow out his hair to like put it in braids and they told him that it was against dress code because he was being edgy and it's like so what and they said he had to cut his hair or get suspended if you're non-black tell me you've had that same experience that you've either had to cut your hair or get suspended wow in 29 in this Wow. It saddens me. It really, really does. Because, you know, I don't want everyone to feel like, oh, you know, like, I feel so bad. Like, I had no ideas this bad. But it's like, this isn't new news. This shit has been said for years. Like, like Alyssa like, Milano, who's yeah. out here only now discovering <laughs> that yeah, racism like, this exists. this shit's been happening for years. And what, for me, it's like, when you say, oh, my God, I didn't know it was this bad. What did you think a ton of black people were complaining <laughs> about for years? They were all just being hypersensitive for no reason. That it just yeah. was like one of these things that we couldn't get over. It's like from the day, like, did you hear about that guy, that high school wrestler who was forced to cut his hair or forfeit a wrestling match? No, what do you they mean? They were saying they were saying that his hair was um was not coat and that generally you had to have short hair or hair that like because it would get in the way of like people and their sport or people would grab it and be able to hurt you. And so he was like, I'll just tie it up. You know, he had his hair in dreads as a protective style. Right. And for those of you who don't know what a protective style is, it's kind of like what I mentioned before, how generally when you leave natural African or black hair out into like, you know, the The abyss and the environment, the elements, that it's too, the elements are too harsh for your hair. So it can be brittle, it can break. And so to put it in a protective style of braids or cornrows or plaits can make it easier to manage. And so they said to him halfway through the game, nope, your hair isn't code. You'll have to, we'll have to do something about it. So he's like, okay, what? cool. I'll tie it up. You know, I'll braid it into tighter, like into tighter braids. So it's out of the way. They're like, no, you've got to cut it. If you what see you the mean? way they're manhandling this boy's braids and cutting them off one by one. Tell me you've ever been in a situation where someone said, we have to cut your hair. Like, I'm not talking about we're going to sit you down in a chair, we're going to, like, style it. No, they literally grabbed this boy's braids and snip, 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 snip in the middle of this game before they could continue. I actually, I'm actually disgusted. It's like the girl, the girl in high school in South Africa who was suspended or who was forced to cut her hair because she had an afro. And a lot of the white people, white South Africans are also just interesting. Because a lot of their argument was like, no, but it's because white black people's hair grows upwards. So it's distracting. It's getting in the way. But like, bitch, that's my biology. Like the fact that I have to tame it to appease you. Like, what do you mean? 
isn't that insane? And it's wow. the connotations of wearing your natural hair. Like, oh, you're choosing not to conform. You're being disruptive. Like, oh, it's distracting us. Oh, it's messy. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's not appropriate. Like, can you... The, wow. the full natural way that your hair grows and it's been turned into this, like, this act of disruption. That's wow. If you are listening now and you're kind of like incredulous, dumb fan, like how is this really, really possible? I don't even understand. One Google search. One Just Google, one. That's all. One Google search will show you that even the way, and like this is me, somebody who, who constantly conforms to Eurocentric standards of hairstyles so I don't have to deal with this shit. <laughs> and even I'm upset. Well, but then people are going to come to you and tell you you're anti-black. Like why do you hate yourself? And it's like, <laughs> it's just not every day. Like, not every... I don't not know, for me, day. in some ways, in some ways it is because, like, in some ways it is anti-black. I don't dislike it, it the texture. Def- mm-hmm. I don't yeah, dislike the texture of black hair or even my hair. I actually prefer, don't take this personally, white people, I actually prefer 4C hair, Afro-textured hair. I think it's like the spiciest, sauciest hair. What I don't prefer is short hair. And the reality is most black people's hair does not grow to be big and wild. So in that way, my desire to have long hair is rooted in anti-blackness, but that's just what it is. Mm. And I'm going to do whatever I want. Like, I'm going to get braids. Like, I'm going to wear my wigs. Like, I'm going to do the things. Because that's how, like, that's when I feel my most cute. And, like, I just don't think it's everyone's job to be a social justice warrior. And, like, I just think, like, anti-blackness is so pervasive that it just can't be every day, like, I'm wasting my time fighting against anti-blackness when I could just put my braids in and go. 100%. And this is not to say that I haven't benefited from having, quote-unquote, fun hair. I swear I got a whole career of having fun hair, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, because, you know, it's not enough. It's what I mean, and I said it before, about being palatable to people. If you have elements of yourself that mirror an audience that is unlike you, all of a sudden you can connect on a, on a different way. Right. So if I was walking around being my black self with my black hair, it'd be like, oh my God, she's a black girl, probably making black content for black people. We don't really get it. Yeah. Oh, no, she's got colored hair and it's like a texture that looks like mine. And it's like, she must sure. be different. And it's like, she, she's different. I can get to know her, whatever. Yeah. Who, I, don't I even also know. use and, that logic. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting because again, like our tone is probably invoking that we're angry and that we're mad and that we don't want you to talk about our hair ever. No, no. Again, I say in this tone, so you listen and you make, and you, and so you know that this message is for you. Even if you feel like you've never done it before or you never would, you can go educate the next person who's asking like another black person, why they do this? Why don't they do this? Why is your hair feel like cotton? Why do you look like a sheep? It's just so we can educate each other. Yeah. Just so I know you're hearing me and listening. I'm not trying to be cute and sweet and nice so you don't feel offended. I don't really care if I offend you. So my Ooh. whole life being offended. You know what I mean? <laughs> now I'm sharing the load. Now we can all be offended. <laughs> um, I'm crying. A question that we got a lot of, Bobo, is yeah. about uh, braids and afros on braids. non-black people. Why oh. is it considered appropriation? 
Let's why get can, into why it. Why can we wear wigs and things that don't mirror our natural hair texture? Which again isn't necessarily true. Yeah. Um, there are black people with silky straight hair, but you know, again, Google will show you that. Um, yeah. Why? Why do we have permissions to wear hair that is not our own texture? But okay, um, I'm gonna be a little controversial here, just yeah. a little. I understand why it is cultural appropriation, and we'll get into that. I also think it's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's a non-issue because the conversation about race is boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a non-issue because it's boring and because it's ultimately inconsequential in the larger scheme of things. However, I understand the sentiments, but I also understand the cultural nuances of it. So the idea that like, if me, a regular black, wears cornrows, I'm going to be seen as a ghetto hood rat. Kendall Jenner wears cornrows and she's seen as high fashion. So now mm-hmm. she's co-opting something that is culturally outside of her and not giving credit and benefiting from something that we are oppressed by. Cool. Sure, I get it. I also th- I've also realized that Africans, by and large, do not give a fuck about cultural appropriation. It varies by country, but I find that like black Americans, because they've had so much taken from them by white people and because they were literally taken from their homes and like inserted into this foreign land and stripped of all of their identity are a lot more possessive of their blackness than everyone else. So I also get that it's a much bigger issue in America than it is anywhere else, but I think overall like in the grand scheme of things in the larger conversation about race humanity the apocalypse i think it's so banal and i think like i'm shook that we're still talking about it that was my good point now i mirror those sentiments in some respect but also i think that it's the idea that we okay as you said before so much of blackness has so much of the connotation of blackness is bad even if you are a a non-black person who likes black culture you like black music you um have black friends you don't want to be black because generally black people are seen as other right right? i'm not talking me i would say inferior yeah. yeah, I'm not talking about me or Bobo or Beyonce or Rihanna or any other black person in a not position Oprah. of affluence. Yes. Not Oprah. I'm talking about the black people you see at the train station that you feel funny about. The the large group of black people you see walking down the shopping center, kind of like, ooh, where are they from? Or the one black person in your class who has an accent and you're like, ooh, they're a bit weird. I'm talking about shit like that. The little microaggressions that make blackness seem like something that's like a little bit less than like ideal. Right. Okay. And so when you, when that's in the context, and I'm not, this is not to say that everybody thinks this way, generally, it's how we have, like, in the media at the moment, Bobo, Melbourne has this, (laughs) this fucking, like, um, petition against the black gangs in, in Melbourne. There is, there is a suburb in Melbourne where there's a high density of black people. Oh my God, don't do this. The government is trying to say that they're conducive to increased crime rates and we've got to, we've got to shut down the black gangs. They're ruining Melbourne. Like that is the rhetoric that's happening in Australia right now. So please don't tell me that we're in a position where all blackness is seen as equal. So what I'm saying is that 
we're in a position where when we look at blackness in media and pop culture, it's hot, it's cool, it's trendy. We all want a thin waist, a fat ass, fun hair and great music. But on the ground level, on like the day-to-day level, there's still this dissonance between blackness and how we consume it. Mm. So when, when you look at that person in your class who has box braids, who is probably getting teased about it or, you know, is being bullied because her hair is in a texture that isn't like yours. And then you go to a festival and get hair that mimics hers, but just because you've seen somebody white do it, that's the problem. Mm. It's, the, it's the issue that when you see these these generically black things or historically black things on black right. people, black normal people, they're seen as mm, a bit different, a bit unusual, a bit ghetto, a bit less than. But when you see it on people of affluence, you like it and you want it for yourself. So, then so is you this a race it. issue or a class issue? It's a class issue, but I know mm. it's. I don't know if it's a race issue because I don't think that the average non-black person is thinking about race when they're when they're taking these things. That's right. why we're having this discussion about appropriation because they're not thinking about race. They're not thinking about the uh, the impact of reclaiming something that you've seen as less than for so long. Right. Also, we've got to think about okay. So generally, when we're talking about box braids or something, box braids have always been seen as ghetto. Oh, always. Ghetto, like, ghetto, like, trashy, hood ratty, all of the above. I'm not talking since you saw them on Kim Kardashian. I'm talking generally. Always been seen as ghetto. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're on white celebrities or non-black celebrities. All of a sudden, Katy Perry's got it. Taylor Swift wants to do it. Like, everybody's doing it. And so now you're like, oh, wow, I can see the value in it. I can see the beauty in it. I want it, too. So then you go and get it and everybody sees the beauty in it when it's on you. Everybody sees the value in it when it's on you, non-black person. But when a black person does it, it becomes this thing that others them. Now they're disruptive. Now they look dirty. Now they look unclean. When's the last time you've washed your hair? That is what I'm talking about. So when we're talking about appropriation, it's less about the cultural significance because I don't think the average black person is that fussed about the cultural significance of it, but more so the like societal, like uh, what's it called? Like the societal negative connotation of it. That's really frustrating. Mm. So knowing what you know, okay. do the, like do whatever the fuck you want to do, wear your braids, but know what you know. And then act accordingly. I don't really care if you wear braids or not. I care if you're a dumb bitch who doesn't value experiences outside of your own. <laughs> and that's for everything, you know what I mean? Like, I like when I was 18, I didn't see the cultural significance of wearing a kimono. Right. I was like, this, this shit is cute, you know? Why can't yeah. I wear it? But knowing what I know and knowing that it's inherently offensive, why would I keep doing it? Like, it's, it's fabric to me, but right. it's someone's culture to them. I don't need to do that. I can move on. But do now, you think... Get, like no, someone who is not black would someone who's not a person of color i don't want to call mm-hmm. any demographics out do you think they would have the range to understand how they're impacting like a marginalized group seeing as they've never been marginalized i think one of the reasons i think it's a non-issue is because i don't think it's an issue that can ever be solved exactly like, like i don't think any white person i think they can understand it intellectually but i don't think any like white person could understand the gravitas of seeing something that you've been oppressed for culturally 
being cool like on your skin. I just think it's so far removed from their everyday lived experience and perception of self that it's almost futile even trying to like walk that line. You know what I mean? Nah, I disagree. I disagree. It's just like saying we can't see like the grand effects of the damage we're doing to the planet. Let's just not worry about it because we'll never really understand. No, it's I like think that... we can understand the planet. I think but no, even but we, like but people the dumbest... don't. It's, a, it's, what we're, it's what we're dealing with right now. People don't understand what their day-to-day is doing and the impact of it. So they think the discussion is not for them. I just use a couple straws. It's like, not me. Like, <laughs> I just leave all my PowerPoints on. It's not me. The thing about appropriation it's definitely an issue i don't think it's a non-issue i think it's an issue that doesn't have a clear answer oh so i think for every one person who says you're offending me there are 25 who don't care just hope you're not dealing with the person that you're offending but also i feel like there's so many other ways to dress yourself and to like (laughs) to to like um like you know aesthetically curate your body that to really be fighting for this one thing that will do you know what it is also Mm. I only think that the discussion of cultural appropriation is a problem because finally, like, people who are in, like, the majority can finally feel what it feels like to be marginalised. Because when Mm. you get called out for wearing your hair in that way, you finally feel what it feels like to be called out for something that you like about yourself. I don't think they feel marginalised. I think they feel attacked. And I say that because... oppressed, whatever it is, you finally feel it and feel shit. (laughs) But I think... So I say that because when I was in South Africa, I met up with a girl, this white girl that I used to go to school with in South Africa. And she was saying that she feels that as a white person, she is constantly walking on eggshells because she feels now that like everything she does, black people, and I'm not saying I'm on her side. I think that's absolute trash, but she feels now that everything she does like black people are just ready like on the defense ready to attack her like oh now i can't even like like now i have to think twice about what i do with my hair because black people are gonna attack me i think they're so far removed from the issue that they can't see the problem in it they literally can only be defensive about it because they're so like i can't imagine what i could possibly say to a white person (laughs) to get them to understand not intellectually but experientially that like, mm. listen, what you're doing, fam, is disrespectful because of ABC. I think they can only internalize it as you are attacking me because like they don't even like what does it even mean to be attached to a culture in that way? If you say it's non-issue, it, rem- it removes people from feeling any type of way about it. I don't care that somebody feels some kind of way. It's like the same men who are like, well, you know, now I feel like every girl is going to feel like I'm going to sexually assault her because of me too. I don't give a fuck. Right. Don't behave in a way that like, elicits that response. If you feel guilty, there you go. Right. You, like, like, I can't make you feel some kind of way because she guess, doesn't yeah, fit. No, you're right. I think it's not that it's a non-issue. It's the fact that it's, the fact that, that it's an issue that doesn't have a solution. Exactly. And that's wild. A lot of issues don't don't have solutions. That doesn't mean we don't talk about it. Doesn't mean we don't find ways to manage them in which we in ways that we can. Mm. Like we don't know how to not get cancer. Doesn't mean we're not like fighting to be healthier. Nah, we know how to get cancer. It's just not profitable. (laughs) But I feel I feel you. I feel you. You know. But so it's one of those things where if you feel guilty, that is your answer. Yeah. I don't feel guilty about wearing coloured hair because there's no cultural significance to people who aren't. How do you feel about when white people are like, listen, you are out here wearing Brazilian straight wigs. Isn't that cultural appropriation? And it's like, sis, first of all, that's cultural assimilation. 
Yeah, but there also you go. Says, second of all, white people didn't invent straight hair. But Third also, when have white, white people, people ever been from black people? So, yeah. but when have white people ever been made to feel some kind of way about having straight hair? What they, exactly? What, so your hair can't hold a curl. It's that's like the, that's the, the height the of the dynamics. discrimination you're getting. <laughs> Nobody's telling you. No one's like, calling you a monkey ass bitch coon. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah. is coming at you in the same way for your mm. hair. Like, I, I understand. Like, t- like, if you are white, tell me a time where you've ever felt some kind of way when a non-white person has had straight hair. Have you ever felt in your heart of hearts that, we, that we've taken your culture from you? <laughs> and if so, please tell me the cultural significance of having white hair, straight white hair. And, and let's discuss it. Like, please. Because I'm open to it. If I'm, if I'm here doing some fuck shit, I want to be educated too. So, oh, how do you feel about white people doing their edges? Actually, just then, non-black people. Let's talk about K-pop. Let's talk about K-pop, uh, <laughs> the Japanese, just a- Asians who have really jumped on the black culture bandwagon. It's so interesting, right? It's like, really interesting. I mean, I don't cool. find it problematic, mm. per se. I just find I it weird. We don't, yeah, problematic is not a word that we use around here. I don't really care about problematic. Yeah. We're all, we're all fucked. Um, I think it's very, 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 very weird. Yeah. But not, not in the, like, a, um, just in the way of, like, going to, like, going to Asia, East Asia, Southeast Asia, and seeing how othered I can be. Literally. More othered than you'll ever be anywhere else. Like, Boy, more so Japan than like let's say Malaysia or Singapore Japan or Taipei or anything. But being pointed at, <laughs> like being gawked at like a fucking you. farm animal, like, t- like taking videos, being like, "Can I touch you? Can I touch your skin?" To seeing like this whole like you know this other side of Japan where people have literally like put on layers and layers of foundation to appear black, have textured their hair to appear black or black adjacent. It's very interesting to me. And you know what? If I, I quite like living in a world where blackness is seen as, as palatable because it makes my life a lot easier, you know, <laughs> but, but also I, I find that it's just like, it's just, it's, it's weird, but I don't know. I don't understand it. So I don't know how to like critique it. Yeah, I do think it's it interesting. It feels so far removed from like anything I've ever known or understood. Oh yeah. Whereas when I look at like in in our like in our societies in the countries that we live in and seeing on the ground the way like this the way this manifests, it's much easier to like to see it, critique it, call it out than the other way. Mm. But, but, what, but white girls who or non black girls who do edges, like I don't really like on a personal level, I don't care about what you do with your hair. I just think it's really, really funny how everybody wants to be black, but they don't want to be black. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> how everyone loves black people, but hates them at the same time. Well, loves black culture, no, I think but they hates like black, black people. culture. I don't really think yeah. I just love black people generally. I just, it's it's interesting to, do you know what? This is how I could, how I could explain it. Let's say like when you were younger, you, you let's say you were bullied. I'm talking to people listening. Let's say you were bullied for like, you know, not really like, Let's say you're you're a cis hetero girl and you're mm. bullied for like not really like wanting to deal with boys and you're in high school but you don't want a boyfriend you don't want to have sex everyone's calling you a fucking prude and they're like right. oh my god like you're a frigid you'll never whatever and then you get to adulthood and all the girls who don't want to have sex are now considered to be like 
champions of feminism and like forward thinking and progressive and they opted out of hookup culture they're seen as the amazing ones like isn't that confusing to kind of grasp like how you feel about that you're kind of like oh this is bizarre or it's like when you were younger or in high school you're like you know I don't want to shave like any of my body hair I'm quite happy to have hairy legs and to have hairy underarms and yeah, everybody and hates you. Everyone calls you a dumb, you. dirty bitch. And now in your adulthood, <laughs> everyone's like, oh my God, you're radical. You're progressive. You're amazing. You're a, th- you're a thought leader. You're forward thinking. It's that shit. It's like getting your head across how much it hurts to have been bullied for dumb shit. But now it's been praised. It's like being thankful that you can exist in a place where you can be yourself. But also like, damn, I just mm. went through 20 something years of being bullied for what? For everyone to get across it? Like, huh? Give me a second to ease wow. into it. Wow. So no, I'm not going to fight a bitch on a personal level for having braids. I don't give a shit. But also, yeah. like, just be mindful of the experiences of everyone else who isn't me. Because I might not give a shit, but go to the wrong place in America and you'll get bashed. <laughs> oh, literally. That's the That's team. just how it is. Like, go to the wrong place and somebody will bash you. And go to the right place and somebody will be like, oh my God, where did you get it done? Wow. Can I have it? <laughs> That's, that is actually, it's so interesting how like racial perception changes according to space and time. Absolutely. Do you, have you found that you've had to make a conscious effort to try and like decolonize your mind in terms of the way you perceive your own quote unquote beauty and how you kind of like navigate it? Or have you always yeah. been quite secure? No. Oh my God. I used to hate myself. Um, like so much. I remember like being seven years old and like looking in the mirror and pinching my nose because I have a really round, like small button nose. But I used to like stand in the mirror and pinch my nose and like just wonder like why can't I just have white people's nose? Like why do I have this round thing on my face? Like I used to hate absolutely everything about myself because I have the most african like i am the picture of like african features um mm. it took a lot of work like i said this is where we argued i think you know i grew up first in belgium where i was like a nigger bitch and then i went to and then i was in geneva went to high school in switzerland where again, I was a nigger bitch, but like cool, because by then it was cool to be black and trendy. I think while I was in Switzerland, I realized like, listen, everywhere I go, people are going to find me repulsive. So I can't live like that. I'm going to find myself cute and fuck everyone else. And so I think it was more so just a fake it till you make it type of thing living like this is not sustainable like moving through the world feeling ugly is just not a sustainable way of living um so i'm opting out of this and i'm gonna self-narrate myself in a way that serves me in a way that's reflective of who i am i used to only wear black because i just wanted to shrink and feel small and then i decided no fuck that like that's not who i am i'm gonna be a colorful hoe And it is what it is. And I think gradually the world succumbed to my perception. (laughs) And the rest is history. Which isn't to say that everyone thinks I'm cute. Of course, everyone is ugly to someone. But I think the (laughs) universe that I've created does not allow bitches who think I'm a nigger bitch anymore. 
Like I've I've left that. I've left that realm. <laughs> How was your relationship? Because you also grew up in white spaces. Yeah, man. Do, um, were you coming from things... a place of self self loathing? Yeah, I, but it was a bit different for me because when I was younger, like up until let's say fourteen, fifteen, mm. I was still even though I lived in like. Uh, like the affluent suburbs of Sydney around white people and kind of like non-black. I didn't know any black people really except my own family. Um, but they all lived in like the, the suburbs across the city. So we didn't really, the only time I saw them was like, you know, church and like African parties, but I went like community parties, but I went to them quite a bit as a kid. So I was still mm. quite consumed with just African standards of beauty, like people with their natural hair in like cultural um, garb, all that shit. Like that was very much an active part of my life. And so I wore my hair naturally in its natural state. Didn't really like, didn't really, didn't really know that I was quite different because, you know, school was just another half of my life. And then the other half of my life was just being an African bitch. Mm. Um, And then like, you know, speaking a different language at home and like eating different food. That was like very much my reality. And then you get to like year like 15, 16, when like you're a little bit older and you're starting to engage people outside of, you know, your home. And I stopped going to church. I stopped going to like, you know, community events. I started hanging out with a lot of non-black people and was quickly reminded that I was black. And it didn't really occur to me that I was black. I just thought that I just had like two different communities, you know, because I had friends who were Asian and spoke like, and not, not Asian, like, different different like I have friends who are Malaysian or Indonesian Chinese who were able to you know eat eat cultural food at home speak their language and then came to school and then we're all white together you know what I mean wow, so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't even like I was like leading a double life we all did that shit then you get to like 15 16 and everybody around me who I'm engaging with is like oh my god you're like black black like that's so interesting like do you like like rap like why is your hair like that and then suddenly I had all these questions about myself that I'd never even thought to like consider or ask and so the questions again were never malicious but they definitely made me feel like well why don't I know these things or people would try and quiz me on my blackness like oh you must know xyz right or like you must know like this biggie song you must know how to twerk (laughs) <laughs> you must know how to twerk or you must know how to cook really good chicken. And so for me, it was like, no, shrink, get away from that, Lil. Like, you, but you were like the center of everyone and now you're on the outskirts. What happened? Go back to like the way it should be. So like start over-enthusing that you're Australian. Start mm. over-enthusing that part of your culture and not the other part. And so then it came to the whole like trying to disguise my hair, trying to make sure that any stereotypes of blackness were not associated with me Maybe those black people, but not me. I'm a different black girl. And then I got to adulthood and realized that like I could condition my hair in any which way. I could speak in any which way. I could dress myself in any which way. I could listen to any music and I would still be the black girl. Nobody describes me as like, oh, that that DJ at MTV. No, no, it's the black girl. Wow. Nobody's like, oh, Shook. like, you know, a bunch of influencers went to that party. It's like, oh, no, there are tons of people. Oh, like, we love that black girl who went. It's always like black is prefaced or it's a descriptor in any form. I don't care who you think you're talking to. Somebody will always describe me as the black girl. Yep. Absolutely. It's not it's not the girl with the gap tooth. It's not the chubby girl. It's not the girl who wears a lot of color. It's not the girl with the colored hair. To watch people describe me when I'm in the same room. That is wild. They're trying to find any which word but black because they know that's all they've used prior. 
Wow. Like, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're standing with someone, like, you know, let's say you're at a business meeting and you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just in a meeting with Flex. And they're kind of like, oh, who's Flex? And they're kind of like, oh, you know, um, she... She's the one who um she MTV. <laughs> with the melanin. Which one at MTV? Oh, you know um she does a lot of the um f- bitch. <laughs> so it's, it's shit like that. And so there was a turning point where I'm like, everybody will only ever see me as the black girl who X Y Z. So I need to start shifting the way I see myself and lean into it. And so right. like that's this me. I'm going to Ghana. I'm going to decolonize my mind. Shake off all this Eurocentric bullshit because it's really like a chamber of my own doing. Oh yeah, and it's dangerous. Because also to be seen as an authority on blackness, but to be learning it again is also like a crazy place to exist in. Oh my God. like blackness and trying to shift like this, uh, this American black experience that isn't mine as well. Like people who want to connect with me on like black on black crime in America. I'm kind of like, I'm got some Australian, <laughs> I've got some Australian shit to do it with. We're, we're dealing with microaggressions here. We haven't really got to the out, out front racism. Yeah. Like, <laughs> give me a second. <laughs> oh, wow. So... It's, it's one of those things where now I'm quite comfortable with it, but I swear, like, it was... I wanted to be anything but black for the longest time. Oh, same. Because it wasn't I a comfortable hope. experience. So I was like, damn, people really out here seeing me as a fucking alien, man. <laughs> and not in, like, a... Not in, like, I've never seen you before, but just... I had to justify everything about myself. Oh, like, you know... So I remember one one time somebody said to me, I didn't think your palms would be white, like please, mine. No, 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 please. Bobo has left the chat. <laughs> I didn't think your palms would be white as mine. I've left the building. (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in because I've actually left. Somebody once said, I didn't know you, like, I didn't know you, your, your gums would would have pink in them as well. That's so crazy. No, no, like, I'm, I'm out. It's it's insane. So, you know, there's, there's a lot. Did you see that video, that BBC video that was trending, um, on Twitter, I think it was, it was like that case study on like a. I only saw a snippet of it, but essentially it was a bunch of white teachers, teachers. white British teachers hmm. in a room, and they were kind of debriefing about an activity they had just done. And so this white woman, she's about sixty, perhaps. She's talking to this other white woman about how she finds it really odd that the black people in her class would feel different. She says, you know, we're all the same. Like, I've never seen any of these kids as oh my different. God, like, they're all I, the same. They're all really beautiful. Don't do and this. And so she's, she's, she's going on about how she, she doesn't... She, she, she doesn't see colour. She doesn't see colour. And she doesn't think that black children should see themselves as different because they aren't. And then she goes on to say, you know, but I, but I, but I do want to say um, there was this one girl, this black girl. She was so beautiful, like beautiful skin. And um, she fell down and, and scraped her face so badly. And, you know, is it wrong for me to say that I didn't think that it'd be pink under there? Like, it'd be, she was pink. You know, like her flesh was pink. I was, I was surprised, you know. And so then she, she really smirked. what there was an orange peel underneath. <laughs> I guess she thought underneath <laughs> like black skin was just black. <laughs> So shit like this, like so that, and listen, and she's an adult. that is a, that's a whole adult and a whole teacher saying that she didn't realize when black people bleed or when they bleed <laughs> and their flesh shows that it is not black. So when you tell me that people are seeing us as the same, you are wrong. <laughs> we, we need to just opt out of that right now. Like, can we stop pretending? Who are we fooling? And <laughs> last but question conversation, before we like has gone on forever i know Mm. and there's so much we haven't even discussed i know (laughs) but that's why we we're gonna get into race in our next episode so stay tuned Mm. but i wonder 
um, on this conversation about beauty. Do you feel that you've benefited from being fetishized um, and from being exotic? Do you lean into it or do you do you opt out? I definitely lean into being fetishized. Mm. <laughs> Bitch! Same. Oh, yes. <laughs> what do you mean? I told you, when you see how the way... When you see the way the world works, you'd be dumb not to tap into your quote-unquote privileges. Oh, absolutely. No, I do it as well. Absolutely. All, yeah, no. All day, every day. Did you see what I'm saying? Like, this whole... Like, the moral of this whole conversation is to say that we can acknowledge the ways in which we benefit from this fucked up structure, but we can also share conversation on this fucked up structure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not, you can and, do and both. We can be both, but not everyone can be both. We can be both because there are a ton of black people who do not benefit in any way from the structures at play. But I so feel it's like, like could, with, with beauty, you can if you want. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, with beauty, you can if you want. But honestly, it really depends on your environment. Like, because mm. I feel like, you know, like we are at the table, but we were invited to sit at the table. I think I created this table. Depends. Depends. Even if, even if you created the table you are at now, the tools and resources that gave you the onus to create that table, whiteness gave that to you. <laughs> like, <bitch>. really? Because... <laughs> Be real. Even the platform that exists right now. Like, yeah. Instagram was a platform built by white people. Two white men. Right. The only reason why hip-hop culture... Not the only reason, sorry. A huge reason why blackness and hip-hop culture and, you know, the black experience is now popularized is because white people started amplifying black or and appropriating and co-opting blackness. Yes, sure. black tables were made by black people. And yes, they were... Um, they were growing and evolving at really amazing rates and creating really radical change. But the, the state it's gotten to now is because everybody wants a piece of blackness. Right. And it, it'll be interesting to see how the commodification of blackness moves over time. Hmm. I think that'll be a really interesting thing to watch. Absolutely. And there's so much of this we need to discuss more of. I think it moved oh from my God. beauty and body to race yeah. very quickly very, but, because um, it intersects like how could we it not? does and how yeah i mean we're two black women what are we supposed to say um but i guess we've got to end it now because i know this will be like a 13 part which is sad because i haven't even talked to my shit but right yeah. i know i feel like i still have so no no no. we're gonna do we're gonna do another episode on body image because there's just so much to go into before we head out, guys, don't forget that we are running a giveaway. If you head over to our Instagram page, we've partnered up with Frank Body, and all you need to do to enter into the competition, it's free, is go into the most recent Instagram picture, tag two of your friends, and you're entered into the competition. And make sure to follow us at Bobo and Flex. You will only be entered in if you follow us at Bobo and Flex. And you will stand the chance to win every single product from the Frank Body website. Isn't that... You said every single product? Every, one of every single product. Wow. From, wow. We are actually... Like, we're actually Oprah. Like, I don't <laughs> know what to tell you. Oprah wants to fight us right now. She's Honestly, like, you said, what? Can you, and it's, it's not just... You know what I'm saying? This is Frank body so just understand the caliber of skincare of luxury of opulence that we're giving you right now that all of that will be in the description box below thank you guys for 
listening to this very interesting juicy conversation (laughs) let us know what your thoughts are do you think that beauty is perception do you think it's reality do you who do you think is invited to the body positivity movement what do you think about skin bleaching what do you think about cultural appropriation versus cultural assimilation versus cultural appreciation what do you think about plastic surgery what do you think about black hair just like all the things let us know what you think and stay tuned for the next episode where we'll be talking about race follow us on instagram at bobo and flex and our youtube channel bobo and flex tv and um we'll see you in the next episode thank you for listening bye bye (laughs) planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.